uh, we're going to, um, we're wrapping up a series this morning that we began uh, three weeks ago today. And um, some sometime between this service and the last service, I lost my sermon notes. So if it's short, that's why, but it probably won't be short. So, uh, but I want to kind of, I want to bring it all back together. Uh, three weeks ago today, we talked about, uh, we began to talk about this paradigm shift or really at least a, a little different model for personal evangelism. If you remember, we talked three weeks ago about how, you know, when we heard the term evangelism or, or witnessing as believers, you know, it really strikes a chord and makes us a little nervous. Oh, that's why I didn't want to work with Dan. He takes my stuff. So anyway, all right, there we go. So, um, uh, now I don't have an excuse. Oh, thanks Dan. Um, but, but typically we, we get kind of nervous when we think about this idea of sharing our faith or, or telling God's story. And so we begin to talk uh, about how uh, sharing our faith can be as simple sometimes as just taking a walk across the room, maybe, or taking a walk across the office or maybe across the street and introducing ourselves and beginning to build a relationship with somebody that we don't really know where they're staying. It might be that they're far from God. It might be that they're close to God, but we don't know until we engage them or get involved in their life. And so three weeks ago, we talked about how we could do that and about how the greatest thing we can do for the people that we love, the people that we care about, the people that we're invested in, you know, of all the things that we can do for them, the greatest thing we can do is share with them the love of Jesus and the love of Christ and introduce them to our Savior. And then uh, two weeks ago, uh, when Kyle spoke, um, he talked about living in 3D. We've got to develop friendships with people. We've got to discover their story and then uh, discern or discover, okay, once we find out where people are in their spiritual journey, what do we, what do, we do next or where do we go next? Last week, I talked about the power of story. And how people love a story. And uh, I like stories. You like stories. Uh, a lot of our TV shows are based on the idea of story. Because we just we just like, we love a good story. It's why we uh, read books. It's why we watch shows. It's why we do all those things. Because we're captured by a story. And we talked about how important it is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how important it is for you to be able to to share God's story. God has a story to tell to the world and we need to be able to tell it well. And then I also challenge you to tell your story. Now, some of you were spring breaking last week and you weren't here. I gave a homework assignment. And so some of you did your homework and you sent me an email and said, here's my story. Uh, but if you weren't here last week, let me tell you what the homework assignment was. The homework assignment was for you to sit down at your computer and, and uh, or with a piece of paper and write out your spiritual story around the idea of what your life was like before you knew Christ, how you came to know Christ, and then how your life has changed since you came to know Jesus Christ. Now, as you evaluate where you are personally in your spiritual journey, you know, you need to be able to say, here's the way I was. Here's when I was born again by, by opening my heart to Jesus Christ. And here how he, here's how he has changed my life. Now, if you, if you don't have all three parts to the story, then your story's not complete. In fact, uh, one of the guys emailed me this week and he shared some things and he said, Mike, am I missing something? And we had a chance to sit down. By the way, I have his permission. You don't know him, but I have permission to tell his story. But so, so we sat 
up a time and we got together and we sat down and we began to talk about his life spiritually. And he believed in God and he knew about Jesus and he did the church thing. But he could never point to a time where he had made a decision to open his heart to Jesus Christ. And so this week, uh, as a result of his kind of working on his homework, uh, one of our guys opened his heart to Jesus Christ. And he's now, his story's now complete. It's not finished. See, our story won't be finished until we die or Jesus comes. But our story is complete when, when we move from the old life, we're born again, and we move to the new life. And so you, it might be that you're here this morning and your story's not, it's not complete yet. You've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. And my prayer and my hope, our hope for you is if that's true, that today you would decide uh, to invite Christ to come live in your heart. And, and to be your Lord and Savior. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about. Well, today we want to, I kind of want to bring all this to, to a kind of a completion. By the way, if uh, somebody asked me, oh, excuse me, somebody asked me if, if they could have another week on their homework, and they, I said, sure. So um, it's important that you, it's really important that you write your story. And I'm going to give you two reasons why. And neither one of them have to do with homework, Okay. You need to you need to write your story because you need to know if your story is complete. If you can't look at your life and say, here's, here's what my life was like. Here's when I gave my life to Christ or opened my heart to Christ or, or surrendered to God. Here's when God came into my life through Jesus. And here how, here's how my life changed. If you don't have those three parts in your story, you need to know that. Because you need to complete, your story needs to be complete. But the second reason you need to write out your story and be able to verbalize your story is because as a Christ follower, one day you're going to be confronted with an opportunity. Somebody that you love, somebody that you know, somebody that you care about, somebody that you don't know. I don't know who it's going to be, but you're going to have an opportunity to tell your story. Somebody's going to, God's going to bring somebody into your life and they're going to need you to be able to tell them how they can surrender their life to Christ and how their life can be changed. And you need to be ready. And to get ready, you need to prepare your story now. You don't want to be caught when somebody says, hey, let me kind of tell you uh, what's going on in my life. Can you help me? And then you go, oh, I don't we need to call the preacher or we need to call uh, the Sunday school teacher. I don't know what to say. You need to be ready. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to have an opportunity. I remember this is an odd story, but I just got out of A&M. I'd worked in Austin about six months. This was 1985. And I'm loading up to go to seminary. And there was a guy that I'd met while I was in college. And he was living in Austin. And, and he was... Uh, he come by to help me pack up and we got to chatting about some different things and, and, um, I need, you know, I, I knew he needed to hear about Jesus. I mean, he was, you know, his deal, he was delivering beer. I mean, that was his job. He drove a beer distributor truck. And that's why he drove around Austin delivering beer. And I'm thinking, I need to tell him my story. You know, I didn't think my story, but I said, I need to tell this guy how to be saved. And, and I knew that I had some verses written on some cards somewhere in my stuff. And I thought if I could just find these verses, uh, you know, finally I found them and I took him through these, the Romans road, you know, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. 
And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord uh, and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you can be saved. And then Romans 10, 13, you know, whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But I mean, I'm, we're sitting on the floor of this old apartment in Austin and I, I finally located these verses and I was able to tell this guy how to be saved. And I don't ever want to be in a position to where I can't tell the story because I don't have my stuff. You should never, as a, if you're a Christ follower, if Jesus is, is indeed Lord of your life, you need to be ready to tell the story when you have a chance. In the book of Peter, 1 Peter, he says we should always be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have. Chances are when somebody comes into your life and they need somebody to share with them the gospel, chances are you're not going to be sitting there with the Bible. Okay, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, in fact, Lucas was telling me... Um, they flew to Missouri this week. Is that right? He, they, they go to, they're supposed to fly out at like 11 o'clock Tuesday. And they, you know, they finally left the airport at like 10 o'clock Tuesday night. Their flight got delayed, delayed, delayed and canceled. And he said, you know, we had so many chances to tell the story, to do what you've been talking about. You and Kyle have been talking about for the last three weeks. And so here, here's the thing. You need to know your story. Because you need to know it's complete and you need to have it ready when you have an opportunity to tell it. So I hope you'll do that. Uh, but I want to get, I want to move past that. I, I, knowing that, that, that you have a story and that you're ready to tell your story and that God wants you to tell your story. What are, where do we go from here? And I want to kind of transition. I want to talk about what do you need to do and what do I need to do? How do we need to spend the rest of our life? And, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a minute. I'm going to read a story from Luke 5. But before I do, I want us to do this little exercise. And so just humor me. I, we're going to pretend that we're on vacation, that you've won a free vacation to Belize, Central America. If you've never been to Belize, uh, beautiful little country, great, uh, great coastline. The largest barrier reef in the western hemisphere or the northern in our hemisphere is off the coast of Belize. So just imagine with me. You've won a free vacation, four days, three nights, uh, to go snorkeling in Belize. So I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to just imagine with me. Let's all try this. You just fly into Belize. You get to Belize City. You get to the Bell Cove or Bell Cave Hotel and, and, uh, you get your stuff in and, and, uh, you go down to the dock and it's about 30 minute boat trip out to Gallows Point. And, uh, since this is an imaginary vacation, we're all 29. Um, We've all got a great tan. We're in shape. Our bathing suit fits just right. I mean, we're just, we're lean and mean and having a good time. I mean, that's, we're imagining. So let's think about that. So we get out there to Gallows Point and man, it's just pristine. The water's calm because the, the, the reef kind of limits the surf. The wind's just a gentle breeze. It's 79 degrees. And you're just looking out across the water and you think, man, I could, I could live life like this. And, you know, and, and is there anything wrong with that picture? And you're thinking, man, there's not a thing wrong with that picture. But we didn't go to look out across the ocean there. We went to snorkel. So you jump in the water and, man, it's like 79 degrees, perfect temperature. And uh, you're just loving it. And then 
you put on, you got your fins on, you put your mask on, and and you look again, and it's just the wind's calm, uh, it's just pristine, and it's calm and quiet. And then you roll over, and you look underneath, and all of a sudden the world just explodes. And here comes a barracuda. Watch out! You're gonna, he's gonna bump into you. And there's this beauty of this coral reef, and there's colors everywhere. And then you come up for air, and and it's just calm and pristine, and. It's nice, but it's kind of plain. And then you bury your head under again, and, and there's a, a, a wall over there a, a few hundred feet, and there's a couple reef sharks, and, and by swims a moray eel. And, and then and you go back up for air, and it's just kind of calm and pristine. And then you look under the water again, and, and you're surrounded by thousands of angelfish, blue and yellow and black, and just and you're just amazed. It's just like chaos. Control chaos, but beauty and chaos and excitement. And you pick your head back up and it's just calm and it's pristine. It's nice. But it's just, it's just nice. Now, which view would you prefer? The control chaos, the beauty, the excitement, the adventure, or just the calm water and the calm wind? Okay, you can open your eyes. I want you to think about which vision do you prefer? The excitement, the beauty, the adventure of, of this barrier reef with all the opportunities and all the, the unhidden things are just, just, I mean, it's nice, but it's just 79 and it's calm and you can't see a lot and it's just kind of pristine. Well, I want to talk to you this morning. I, you, you should be able to imagine that. We're coming off a of spring break. And, and uh, actually, we were at a wedding. Kyle got married, as you know, uh, Friday night. We were down on the coast. And, of course, we didn't go snorkeling. But just think about that. Because I want to... Some of us, we've settled for a life of calm, <clears throat> pristine, and just, okay, surface living. <clears throat> But God wants us to go a little deeper. God wants us to live what Bill Hybels calls the grander vision life. Grander vision living. And so I want us to look at how, what I believe Jesus wants you and me, how he wants to live our life. There's a story, you're familiar with it. It's the calling of the disciples, Luke chapter 5. Why don't you join me there? We're going to read beginning in verse 1. And we're going to read the whole story, but we're going to focus on the last couple of verses. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, 
Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed after him. Now, in this passage of scripture, this kind of fish story, if you will, it's kind of a neat little story. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we could talk about here, but I, I want us to really kind of focus in on the last two verses and, and, and we'll do that in just a minute. But I, I want to give you a little bit of perspective because I think it's kind of interesting that, uh, there's this great crowd of people. Now, we don't know how big the crowd was. But there were so many people that they were crowding. They just kept pushing, pushing, pushing Jesus. And Jesus was, I mean, he was at the water's edge. I mean, he was at the edge. And so he didn't have anything better to do. So he looks over. There's a couple boats there. And so he goes and gets in one of the boats. Ironically, he gets in the middle of Simon's boat. And I'm sure he got Simon's attention. It didn't take Simon long to get there. And he says, Simon Peter, uh, how about if you put out into the uh, from the shore a little ways and let me teach? And so he puts out and Jesus begins to teach the people. And uh, when he's done, he says, fellas, why don't we go out and fish? And Peter, being the fisherman, says, you know, we, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But if you insist, we'll go. Now, what Peter really thought is, what he was really thinking is, Jesus, you're a preacher, and I'm a fisherman. You know how to preach, so preach. I know about fishing. Don't tell me how to fish. But then he decided, you know what? Just because you say so, I'll do it. And so he puts out, and you know the story, we just read it. They And I can just imagine Jesus is sitting over, he's sitting at the back of the boat, and I know he's just, he's having a great time watching these guys. Because they thought, they knew they weren't going to catch any fish. They were convinced, Pete, Peter knew, he was just thinking, there's no way we're going to catch any fish. But just to prove my point, I'm going to go out and do it. And then they, when they began to catch the fish, uh, Jesus was loving it. I, I can just imagine what the scene must have been like. And then, and then when they caught the fish, something happened to Peter. I mean, after the boats, after they had called the help out, after he had gathered everybody, all of a sudden Peter realized that God was in his boat. When he said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, what he was saying is, I'm in the presence of of majesty. Remember in Isaiah, if, if you're a, if, if you spent much time in the scriptures, you know there's a story in Isaiah chapter six where Isaiah gets this vision in the year that King Uzziah died. He says, I saw a vision. I saw the Lord on a throne high and lifted up. And when, when, when Isaiah saw God for who he really was, he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm, you know, I'm all messed up. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, this is the same. I mean, Isaiah saw God and he saw the glory of God and he was like, wow, I'm in trouble. Peter in a boat, in a boat, nonetheless, on the shore of the lake, nonetheless, he sees Jesus as the son of God and he goes, oh my, I'm all messed up. They were astonished at the catch of fish. It's from a, that word's from a root word to be dumbfounded. They were stupefied at the catch of fish. And Peter says, wow, this is God. And he said, Lord, you need to go away. 
I can't stand in the presence of majesty. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. Now, I say all that to set up all that story because I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about what Jesus revealed here is the most important priority. See, the miracle, it wasn't about the fish. All Jesus was trying to do, all he was, he was preparing Peter and James and John. He was capturing their attention. They, of all the people, now just think about this. Man, there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and everybody there wants to hear Jesus. They're pushing him up against the shore. They're crowding him. They want to hear what he has to say. Everybody except the fishermen. They weren't really interested in what Jesus had to say. I mean, thousands of people were pushing Jesus to the edge of the shore. They got out of their boats and were down the beach cleaning their nets. And so Jesus went and got jumped right in the middle of their life. And he got their attention. And the reason he got their attention is because he wanted them to understand this principle. And this is a principle you and I need to understand. People are the priority. When it comes to God, people matter the most. People matter the most. If you and I are going to live the grander vision life, then we need to understand that from God's perspective, people matter more than anything else. People matter the most. And that's what Jesus was saying. That's why he wrote what he wrote there. That's why he recorded, hear what he recorded. Don't be afraid from now and you'll catch men. Now we don't, I, I don't know what kind of fish they were catching. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at some of the, uh, the Bible encyclopedias, they got some pictures of some little, I mean, it was a lake. It wasn't really, I mean, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it really was a lake. Maybe they were six inches. Maybe they were a foot. I don't know. I just know when the little boy, remember the little boy that had the lunch? He had two small fish and five loaves. So they're probably catching these little fish. That's probably what they were doing. And, and, and so Jesus said, I, I want, you, listen, you've been catching small fish. I'm going to, we're going to change. I want you to, I want you to go for the big boys. We're going from the, the fish that are six inches. You're going to start catching some fish that are six, six footers. He, he said, he said, listen, I want you to understand the priority for you guys is fixing to change. You're going to go from making dollars and earning dollars to changing destinies. I want you to decide that. And so he says to him, he says, listen, listen, from now on, you're going to catch people because people are what matter the most. And that principle is true for you and for me. Now we have to, we have to live our life. We have to earn it. You have to earn a living. You have to make some dollars. I have to make some dollars. We got to eat. And, I mean, we got, we, we have to do that. But we have to decide, are we going to focus on accumulating dollars or are we going to focus on changing destinies? You can't really, they can't both be a priority. So we have to decide what's going to be our priority. And grander vision living is, is when we decide that, that people are going to be the priority of our life. And, and so as Jesus talked to them about, about people, he was saying that, listen, from now on, you're going to catch men. And by the way, the term catch, um, really, it, it's, it's almost, there's a, there's a little bit of an idea of, uh, of, of capturing prisoners of war. 
And so there's a little bit of an idea of, of kind of a warfare thing going on here. And so when you think about uh, sharing Christ and introducing people to Jesus, understand that there's this battle going on for, for the souls of men. And, and this battle, you know, that if, if we're going to honor Jesus, if our life's going to matter the most, then we got to be willing to go out into the, into the battle and capture men for Christ. And people need to be rescued. People need to be captured. We went to, um, I don't know if I've already shared, I don't think I shared this with y'all, but we, Friday we drove down to, uh, Mustang Island to Kyle and Andrea's wedding and, um, and because of, I had memorial services on both sides. I, we just drove down Friday and drove home Friday night and got about halfway back Friday night and we stopped. There's a little truck stop at 281 and I-37. And if, if you, if you don't believe that people need to be rescued from life, you ought to go to a truck stop in the middle of nowhere on a Friday night. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was interesting. I'll just say that. I mean, because you lit, you know, I walk in the door and this guy, there's some people, there's some young people here looking at movies and, and they're saying some things. And I'm like, wow, I didn't hear that. And then I'm up paying for my coffee and I'm, and I'm about to, I'm about to go out the door and in comes, there was three or four teenagers and, uh, scantily clad. And uh, one of the young ladies is just, you know, she just kind of drops the F bomb and just says, you know, and I'm just, you know, I was just so bizarre, and I just thought, man, these people need to be rescued. These people, I mean, somebody needs to care. And see, when Jesus, when Jesus focused on these disciples, when he focused on Peter, James, and John, he was calling them to a life of investing in people. And, and think about this. When Jesus called Peter, James, and John, he didn't call them because of who they were. He called them because of who they could become. He didn't look at who they were. He looked at what their potential was. When God called me, when God saved me, he didn't save me because of who I was. When If you're, if you're a believer, when God called you and saved you, he, he didn't. He didn't save you because of who you were. He saved you because of who you could become. And so when we look at people, we need to look at people from the standpoint, not, not who they are, not because of what they wear, not because of, you know, we, we can't pigeonhole people and look at people and say, oh man, they, look, look how they look or, or look how they dress or look what they listen to or, or listen to how they talk. Man, they, they could never, they could never be interested in God. On the contrary, we need to look at people with the potential for who they could become. Now, I understand that sometimes people, they seem far from God. And sometimes maybe people, even we confront them or we, we uh, rub shoulders with them and talk to them about Jesus. And maybe sometimes they're going to they're gonna tell us no. Maybe sometimes they're going to just say, hey, that's not going to happen. I'm never going to be interested in your God. But, but just remember, just remember, focus on the potential. I can, we got a clip we're going to try to show from uh, from Bill Hobbles, and he kind of talks about it. So check this out. Then we'll come back, and, and because people matter to God, we need to think about their potential. So let's see if we can see this video clip. 
I've been trying to point people to faith for pretty much my whole adult life. And when someone says the door is closed and I'm never going to open it, I never take never as an answer. I, I go, never just means no for now. And people quite often are just one devastation away, one business reversal away, one relational disaster away from having their apple cart so upset that they would consider God afresh. And what I dream of for Christ followers everywhere is that they go to work, they go in the neighborhood, they go to school, they go to the club, wherever they go, that instead of being annoyed by people or put off by people who believe differently and have different lifestyles, just imagine, imagine what their life would be like if God were at the center. And let that inspire you to pray toward that end. I think back to, you know, my, the little episode at the truck stop Friday night, and I just can't help but wonder, how would, how would those young people's life be different if Christ was in their heart? How would, how would it be different? When we look at people, we, we need to look at not who they are, not what they are, but, but who could they be when Christ comes into their life? Because when Jesus, when Jesus spoke into my life and when Jesus spoke into your life, it wasn't because of who you are. It was because of who we could become. People matter more than anything to God. And more than anything, God looks at people's potential. And if we're going to live the life that God's called us to live, we've got to look at people, not for who they are, but who can they become in Jesus Christ. People are the priority. People have potential. And then one other thought. If you look at verse 11, notice when uh, Peter realized, when all of them, Peter, James, and John, and everybody, when they realized that people matter to God, they pulled their boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. Sometimes when you're, when you're reading the scriptures, notice the difference in verse 11 and up there in verse 3. Verse 11, they dry docked their boats. Up in about verse 3, they pulled them up on shore and they cleaned their net. But when they get to here, they brought them up on the shore, away from the water's edge, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to think about. For four weeks, we've been talking about sharing God's story. For this week and last week, I've been talking to you about sharing your story. And I know, I know that for some of you, you would say, Mike, I, I'm, there's no way I, could, I can tell his story yet. Mike, there's no way that I can tell my story yet. And I understand. I understand. But you can start somewhere. You can start. I mean, when, when Jesus said, hey, fellas, you're going to catch men, it would have been, I mean, listen, these guys were ordinary. I mean, Simon Peter was ordinary. James and John, they were ordinary. I mean, for crying out loud, they were fishermen. I mean, they weren't white collar. They weren't professional. They weren't well-educated. I mean, they, they were just plain old guys. 
but they had potential. And Jesus said, hey, from now on, you're going to catch me in. And so that day they started, they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything. And they said, hey, we're going to follow Christ. And what you need to understand and what I need to understand, if people matter to God more than anything else, and if people have potential, then we need to start somewhere telling them the story. Now, you may not be ready to tell his story. You may not be ready to tell your story. But hey, at least you can engage somebody in a conversation. At least you can invite somebody to church, right? I mean, think about this. What is the, of all the Sundays of the year, what is the, what is the, the one Sunday where more people have come to church than any other Sunday? Easter. Guess what's five weeks from today? Easter. Maybe you're not ready to share your story. Maybe you're not ready to tell his story. But you could invite somebody to Easter. And people to come on Easter. I, I have an acquaintance, a guy we rode the bike some whenever I was in Georgia. Uh, he worked at the bike shop for a while. He was an atheist. I think I've told you all about him. But, but Hodge was an atheist. But, but uh, the year before last, I thought, you know, I mean, he doesn't believe. I mean, uh, he's got a couple kids. And so I went to the shop. I said, Hodge, I got a question for you. Um, he said, sure, man, what's up? He called me preacher, preacher man. And uh, he said, what's up? I said, I said, why don't you, why don't you bring your girls Easter Sunday? Because his wife's a nurse. She worked on Sundays. And uh, he said, I can do that. I mean, he's, I mean, he had told me, he said, I'm an atheist. He said, I understand that I don't know everything, but in what I know, God doesn't exist. But I'll bring my girls on Easter. And so at least if we, if we don't do anything else, man, all of us, there's not a single one of us that can't look around our circle and say, hey, I'm not sure where so-and-so stands with Jesus, but Easter's coming. I'm going to invite them to come to church with me on Easter. All of us can do that, right? I mean, sure, we can do that. And people are waiting for somebody to ask. And true to his word, my buddy shows up with his two girls. It was interesting because he was as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof, you know. But he came. And they'll come if we ask. And I'll say this. If you bring your friends on Easter that don't know Christ, they'll get a simple presentation of Jesus Christ. We'll give them the gospel. So you should invite your friends. Now, you might get a chance to tell your story. You might have an opportunity to tell God's story. But if you're not ready for that, at least, at least be willing to invite somebody to come with you on Easter Sunday. Hey, bring them next Sunday. Because here's the thing. People matter the most. I mean, they just do. I've got a little illustration set up over here. I'm going to just kind of share some thoughts with you. Um, I don't know if I have enough stickers, but, but I, I, uh, I just want you to think with me for a minute. Uh, now I got my, first of all, I'll just talk about my bicycle. I, I, um, uh, I like to ride the bike. It's kind of fun. In fact, uh, Joe and some of the guys ride with, you know, we, 
ride in the hill country and enjoy ourselves. And my, my, I always just kind of think, well, you know, biking's healthy if I ride my bike. And I kind of play that card with my wife. Well, baby, you know, she said, why do you want to go ride your bike? Well, you know, it's good for my blood pressure. It's kind of good for my heart and, you know, kind of all this stuff. And so I make all these excuses. But the fact is, I love to ride the bike, but I want you to, but, but as much as I enjoy riding the bike and as much as I try to justify, man, it's good for my health and all this stuff, the fact of the matter is, it, it, it's temporary. And so I'm going to put this little red sticker on it because it's temporary. It's really not going to last. I mean, even if I ride the bike and eat healthy and get really healthy. I mean, imagine if, if I were to be in that 0.001% that lived to be 100 years old, I'd have 51 years left. That's temporary. Some of you have hobbies you'd love to do. Man, you'd love to deer hunt or you'd love to surf or whatever it is. You'd love to whatever it is. Just understand that it's temporary. I got, uh, I got this nice suit here, custom made in, uh, Rajasthan, Kota, Rajasthan, India. I was on a mission trip there and went there a couple times, but a couple years, a few years ago. And, uh, this friend of the ministry there, you went down to his shop and they measured you and they made this. It's probably, it's not the best money can buy, but it's a really nice custom made fit suit, you know, but it's temporary. Some of you love your clothes and you love your garments and, and just understand that they're temporary. My little girls have a great aunt that, uh, that likes to buy the Hess Collector Series. And they got a bunch of them. Of course, we don't collect them. But I brought this one, kind of the SUV, whatever you want to call it. I, I probably should have had a pickup because I like pickups. And I've been in Texas. I've been back in Texas for seven months. And a lot of you like pickups. But here's what you need to understand. I mean, uh, we, have, we have really nice cars, but just remember, they're temporary. They're temporary. This is Bailey's, um, this is the first little bank we got for you, you. This is the money you save. Here's the money you can spend. And here's the money that you give for a tithe. And so I brought that this morning to represent banks because a lot of us are saving. We're saving for a kid's college or, you know, we're saving for a rainy day and, and we should do that. But you just need to understand that that's... That too is temporary. You know, it, it, it just is. In, in, in 50 years, somebody's going to be spending your money if you have any. Somebody else is going to be spending it. Just understand that. Just know that in 50 years, well, if you're lucky, 75, but somebody's going to be spending your money. We were at San Antonio Stock Show about three weeks ago, and I've been looking for a pair of square-toed boots since I've been here. And, I, you know, I, I'm pretty picky. But I found this pair and I thought, you know, I tried, you know, they said, we didn't have a size. So I tried on a different style. They had my size. They said, well, we'll mail them to, we'll ship them to you from Washington State. So I paid for them and they didn't have them. So they gave my wife some earrings as a kind gesture. And they said, we'll mail them to you Monday. Well, the next Friday I get a call. They say, we don't have any boots your size. So we're going to have to make them. So I'm getting, you know, kind of amped up because I'm loving my boots. And, and, uh, but, but I just need to realize, man, they're temporary. They're just, they're going to be worn out in a couple of years or sooner. Then I got a little thing here that represents education. Some of you are living, to, you know, we're, we're living for education. Some of you uh, students are college kids. Some are, some of you as parents, we're, you know, we're working ourselves to death because we want our kids to get a good education and, and, and we should. But understand it's temporary. 
Remember I talked about the, the bat a few weeks ago? About the, do you, anybody remember that? Well, I, I had uh, got somebody to bring one in today because, you know, and, and this is a, I could hit the ball out of the park with that one. Because we, we love to, you know, we do these things with our kids and, and our grandkids and we want to encourage them in sports or we want to play sports. And that's good and it's important, but you just need to understand that that, that stuff's temporary. And then, uh, and then we got here, uh, I, I got Carly Ann's playhouse and, and, uh, some of us are thinking, man, I can't wait till I get my next home or I can't wait till I build my next one or can't wait till I get my home. And it just, I just want you to understand that, that that's temporary. Now, now listen, I want you to hear my heart. Nothing wrong with houses. There's nothing wrong with sports equipment and athletics. Nothing wrong with education and, you know, getting what you want and saving your money and having a car and nice clothes and having a hobby. Man, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. As a matter of fact, uh, some of those things, maybe many of those things you can use to share your story. But here's what you need to understand. Those things don't last. They're just not going to last. Jeremiah, would you come up for just a second? He has no idea I'm going to do this. But I got th- these little red stickers. They all, they all come on up here. Oh, I love the shoes, dude. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to pick a different one, a different color. All right. All those red stickers are temporary, but I got this little yellow one, this little yellow sticker. And I'm going to put it on his shoulder here. And here's the thing. The only thing in this room that is going to last forever are people. Everything else is temporary. But people like Jeremiah and people like me and people like you are going to exist forever. Thanks, Jeremiah. You can be seated. I appreciate you going along with me. And so think about this. If the only thing in life that lasts forever is people, why would we not spend our time, and invest our life in people. This is not bad. I like this stuff. You you like this stuff. And it's okay. But it's temporary. Don't, don't spend your life with this. Use this to catch the big six-foot fish. And he was a six-footer, by the way. Listen, the one thing in life that lasts is people. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that starting today, we'll have a new vision. And our vision is to live our life for people. Because Jesus loves people more than anything else. Jesus didn't die on the cross so I could have a bigger house. Jesus didn't die on the cross so I could ride a better bike. He didn't die on the cross so I could have nicer boots or or you could have better clothes or we could get a better education. Is there anything wrong with that stuff? No. But none of that will last. Jesus died on the cross for people because people are going to exist forever somewhere. You ought to write this down in your Bible. Everybody exists for eternity somewhere. Everybody exists for eternity somewhere. Either in heaven with Jesus and God or in hell separated from God.
Everybody exists forever somewhere. So why would we not, if, if Christ has changed our life, why would we not spend our life investing in people? Would you bow your heads with me as we close out this morning? Father, I pray. I pray for those of us who are followers of Christ. Those of us who have opened our hearts to Jesus. Those of us who need to, we need to spend our life investing in people because people matter forever. And God, I pray that you would convict us because I know for me, I, I, I lose sight sometimes. I forget sometimes that, that this is temporary and that people are forever. And God, I pray for those of us who are believers that you'd give us, you'd instill in us a passion and a burden for people that don't know you. And that we would decide to, as we walk through our, our day-to-day life, that we would be thinking about looking for opportunities to, to invest in people because people matter more than anything else. But God, there's some other folks here this morning and they've never opened their heart to Jesus Christ. They've never been born again. Their story really is not complete. They're going to exist for eternity somewhere. And what they do with Jesus determines where they're going to exist for eternity. And my prayer and my hope is that today they would decide to open their heart to Jesus Christ. And so God, as we... Um, have a time of uh, time of commitment this morning. I pray that you would speak into every person's heart. You'd be so clear in what you want us to do. Because God, I believe you want us to do something with what you said to us today. So God, help us today to do what you've called us to do. And we'll give you the glory for, for it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, look at me for just a minute. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, the band's going to play and, and we're going to, we're going to give you a, what we call a time of commitment. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never opened your life to Christ. Maybe you don't even know how to do that. And I'm going to stand down here, watch right here. If you'd be bold enough to come and say, Hey, I've never completed my story. I want to open my heart to Christ. Can you help me? We'd love to take God's word and help you do that. If you'll come this morning, we'll help you. But you may not be ready for that. And if you're not ready to walk down in front of people you don't know, would you take that little form in your bulletin, that little guest form, that information form, and just jot down your name, your phone number, and, and just write a note on the back. Just say, say, Mike, I'd love to talk with you about completing my story. You can drop in the offering plate in a little while. We'd love to chat with you about that. But maybe you're here as a believer, and, and you just feel strongly that God wants you to commit the rest of your life to investing in people. Maybe God wants you to make your way down and get on your knees and just pray and say, God, I'm to anew and afresh. I'm committing myself to follow you, to, to make people a priority. Maybe you, you need to be a part of our church. If you need to make a public decision, we want to give you an opportunity. So why don't we stand together? The band's going to play. As they play, if you need to come, uh, we, the altar's open for you to come to pray or to talk with wider eyes. So you come as the band sings.